Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. podcast i am andrew alex espn blacksburg i am joined as always by the usual suspects first in the 757 we have mr ricky leblu ricky what's going on dude dude i'm exhausted i was talking to mike about this before we started recording i don't know why but i am sleepy today uh so i am going to do my best and give you everything i got for the pod um so we can be as high energy as possible but boys i am struggling understandable understandable mondays man the worst the absolute worst do you know who also doesn't like mondays garfield and mike mcdaniel mike what's going on man yeah long day at work but it's all good we're hitting record i am now drinking red wine so i feel a lot better than i did about 15 minutes ago such an elitist yeah well you can kind of see the red wine it's a little his face is getting a little flushed up it's all good it's all good we're ready to rock and roll because we got a lot to talk about today the virginia tech basketball team looking good the football schedule is out and we will get to it all but first i gotta tell you guys that this podcast is made possible by our good friends over at main street pharmacy main street pharmacy in downtown blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you. Don't you want your health care providers to truly care about your health care outcomes? If you do, look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, gentlemen, Saturday night at 6 p.m., Mike Young knocked another goal off of his checklist as head coach at Virginia Tech. Not only does he get his fourth top 25 win of the season, His second top 10 win of the season, he does so against undefeated in the ACC UVA. Virginia Tech comes out on top, riding a 19-0 second half run as the Hokies put the number eight who's down. I I want an initial reaction. Give me one word to describe how you felt on Saturday night when Virginia Tech did what we all hoped they could do. Shocked. Um... I, I had I had no basically no confidence that Tech was going to win this game. Um, UVA was kind of riding a a high streak for this one. They were really starting to get things together. Tony Bennett looked like he was really starting to figure things out, and then all of a sudden, um, Tyrese Radford's off the team, and it's like, well, you know, I mean, Tech's got had one chance to try and work through this on the court, and now they get to face Virginia. Good luck, right? <laughs> so. I didn't. I didn't expect we were going to get much of anything out of this out of this game. I, I didn't think Tech would get blown off the floor, but I did not think that they were going to win. Um, obviously, that was not the case. So, this caught me by surprise, one hundred percent. It's extremely impressive. We're going to dive into it deeper, but 
um, shocked for, for, for sure. Yeah. For me, it was impressive. Like shocked was definitely an adjective. I was shocked very shocked. like one B for you and one A is exactly. Impressive. And one A exactly right. And one A was impressed. Like this was, I think this is Mike Young's biggest win at head coach as head coach at Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's way bigger than than the Michigan State win, and it's bigger than the Villanova win, in my opinion. It it's it is, and the reason why I say that, and you're probably thinking along the same lines, Rick, is because of the implications for conference play. Number one, right? Like Virginia Tech now slides a half game out of first in the ACC. Virginia was on fire, like Rick mentioned, coming into this game. They had won seven in a row. They were looking really good. They hadn't lost since Gonzaga. Um, so they were playing really good basketball and really coming into their own. Defense has been pretty good all year outside of that Gonzaga game. Offense was really starting to come along. Jay Huff has had a really good year. He's a guy who's an ACC player of the year candidate. May damn well win it. He's been outstanding. And Tech really held him in check, um, held down Sam Hauser. Kihei Clark wasn't really able to get going in the playmaking role that he has. Um, and, and then when you consider the fact that, you know, Virginia Tech was up against it with the Tyrese Radford suspension, and it's really hard to make up for his loss because he does a little bit of everything well all the time, just really consistent for the last two years. It's very rare that Tyrese Radford has a bad game. So when you remove that kind of consistent presence from your lineup, I mean, obviously it, it you know, going against Notre Dame, it was really nice to see Tech play well earlier in the week, but then to come out and do that same thing against Virginia is really darn impressive. And the, and the fact that Tech, for the second game in a row now, two straight games without one of their best players in Tyrese Radford, they've been able to hold down both Notre Dame and Virginia to 51 points. That's the lowest point total by an opponent all year, right? And they've done it now in two consecutive games. So the fact that they not only were able to notch two wins without Tyrese Radford in conference play, but they were able to do it without one of their best players and put together two of the best defensive performances of the year. It's really encouraging, especially coming off of the Syracuse game a little over a week ago um, on the road in the carrier dome, where I thought tech played one of their worst games defensively all year. So they got it ironed out real quick without Tyrese Radford, considering what they were up against and who they were going up against in Virginia with how well they had been playing. This was a really, really impressive win by Mike Young program it goes without saying the program's way ahead of schedule um it was going to be ahead of schedule regardless of the outcome uh of this game on saturday but the fact that tech was able to go out and not only win but win convincingly dominate the second half from about the 11 minute mark on it's just a really impressive job by the coaching staff and these players to perform like they did and i think if you're a tech fan you got to be really excited about the future because the guys contributing right now um are still pretty young and have a few years left in the program the only word I can come up with, gentlemen, is inspired. I, I think that this team is an inspiring group, and it comes down to the character of the men on the roster and, of course, the character of their leader, head coach Mike Young. Now, think about the storyline here. What did we hear about all offseason in terms of UBA basketball? Hauser, the number one transfer in the country, and he was dominated in the paint by Keve Aluma, a transfer who, coming from Wofford, got no fanfare, no attention. He was the best player on the court. Who was the Hokies' number two guy offensively? Hunter Couture. Again, a guy who was committed to Wofford, low three-star recruit, now in, in year two as a true sophomore in the ACC, is a serious contributor. And in that 19-0 run, 
what sparked the Hokies on the defensive side of the ball? It was Wabisa Beattie. The I don't want to say much maligned, but the only holdover on the roster at this point with Tyrese Radford suspended, who constantly receives criticism for his lack of offensive output in terms of putting the ball in the basket. He was able to be that distributor. And on the defensive side of the ball, he was able to shut Kihei Clark down in the second half when it mattered. This is not a group where any name pops off the page. But when they play together in sync, in Mike Young's system, I don't think that there are very many teams in the country that that's going to beat this team when they're operating at full throttle. And we saw that in the second half, even though they spent the vast majority of the game down, and especially given the circumstances surrounding Tyrese Radford, especially that they had to go to a rotation of, of really about six guys. Couture yep. was kind of the only player coming off the bench that was getting serious minutes. It, and, it, it was exactly what you wanted to see, right? Yeah, and, and Andrew, the other thing too is now we've seen those performances, right, to kind of back up your point that like not many teams in the country are better than Virginia Tech when they're playing together, especially defensively. Like we've now seen two performances this year against top five teams, in my opinion, Villanova and Virginia, where Virginia Tech has just kind of taken them to task, right? They, they've kind of played the game on their terms. And I look, I don't think Virginia Tech is a, a Final Four contender, or national championship contender, or anything like that. I think they're really good, and I think the ceiling is there for a year or two from now. But, this, you know, why put ceiling, like true ceilings, on this program and what it can be under Mike Young? I mean, they're extremely well-coached. They got players who have bought in. They have guys who can do a little bit of everything. I mean, I think what was most impressive about the game Saturday night, and Keve Aluma was phenomenal, right? He had 16 of the 21 points in the first half. Tech really struggled to put the ball in the basket outside of Aluma in the first half. He finishes with 29 points and 10 rebounds. You mentioned Wabisabidi. Um, defensively, this was his uh, one of the best games of his career, I, I think. Um, defensively it was really good. There was a stretch of three or four straight possessions where he either stole the ball or deflected a pass to just throw UVA out of their rhythm. I mean, the defense was just unreal in, in the final 11 or 12 minutes of this game. Um, Virginia had nine points total in the final 13 minutes of game action. And look, Virginia is not a top tier offense in the country, but they were playing like one coming into this game. Um, this is just a really impressive group. And like you mentioned, Andrew, maybe like lacking the true star power. I mean, we were all hoping that Keve Aluma would be a good player when he transferred in from Wofford. Um, but some of the impact and he, he hit a little bit of a snag, you know, for a few games. But overall this year, he's been Mr. Consistent and he's been better than I expected, better than a lot of people expected. And when Hunter Couture is coming off the bench and he's hitting four and five threes a game and his defense is not, you know, you go from BD to Couture because he's been the secondary ball handler off the bench and Couture has been contributing the way that he has. I mean, he's really stepped his game up and Jalen Cohn, shoot Jalen Cohn hit two huge threes in the second half. It felt like he hadn't hit his shots since before Christmas coming into this game. He hits two huge threes in the second half, obviously going through a little bit of a slump right now, but they provide you a little bit of everything. It's a well-balanced team. Um, and, and if they're able to get Tyrese Radford back, that's a big if, but if they're able to get him back, just adds another element, a guy who can slash the basket and do a little bit of everything defensively. This is a really hard team to match up against in March and, and a team that can, if they get the right draw, and we've talked about before on this podcast, before the Radford suspension, if they get the right draw, 
this is a very difficult team to go up against when you're in a one game winner take all type situation. And Mike Young has this team well coached. The staff's done a great job. It's just really, really impressive what they're doing right now. Well, and remember when Mike Young's hire got a little bit of criticism at the time for maybe not being flashy. It wasn't, it wasn't getting Shaka Smart or Greg Marshall from Wichita State who people wanted at the time. Dodge a bullet there. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. I think that Whit Babcock, in making that hire, saw something that maybe everyone else didn't. And that is for middle-of-the-road teams, not blue bloods like Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina and to some degree Gonzaga and others. The teams that make those NCAA tournament runs, looking at a UVA team in the year that they won the national championship, the team they beat in that national championship, Texas Tech, going back a couple of years, South Carolina or Kansas State or even Loyola, Chicago, making a run to the final four. What what do all those teams have in common? It wasn't that those teams were laden with future NBA draft picks. It was that when it mattered in March, those teams – were greater than the sum of their parts. And I think that when Mike Young was at Wofford and what he was able to do with that team, win an NCAA tournament game, have such extended success in that conference for a period of time, he showed that his coaching style and his system creates a team that is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's how this team is playing right now. And they might not have had the best player on the floor. I, they certainly did that night. But overall, talent-wise, I mean, Kihei Clark's been a great player for some time. Sam Hauser was the number one transfer on the market in the country coming out of Marquette. But Virginia Tech, as a team, outplayed them. And that's why to say the sky is the limit isn't necessarily outlandish at this point. Now, I know they're not Gonzaga. I know that they're not Baylor. I know that there's better teams and better talent out there in the country. But it seems like if this team can get hot at the right time and play together and things fall their way, like you mentioned, maybe getting Tyrese Radford back as we get closer to tournament time, this team gives you plenty of reasons to get excited and have hope. And I think that in the grand landscape for this fan base between what happened during football season and just the burden that the COVID year has put on everyone in the country, I think that, it's providing much needed hope and I it's been really fun to watch. I got to say gentlemen. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with tech fans dreaming. This team is, is fun to root for. They, they have a, a type of synergy that tech fans dream of their football program having, but yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to what we saw a few times under Buzz, where Buzz's teams would be eminently flawed, um, and it's sometimes fatally flawed, and the team overperformed, and um, we're seeing the exact same um, the the exact same vibe with this team that this team has. This team is a collection of um, eminently flawed players, of players who in their own individual games have defined limited ceilings. And then when they're all mixed together on the court and in the locker room, 
they create something that is greater than what they are by themselves. It's a team. They are greater than the sum of their parts. And this is something that I've been extremely critical of the football program for not being. Um, Because when you are a university like Virginia Tech and you're not Alabama and you're not uh, Clemson or in basketball, you're not Duke and you're not Kansas, uh, you're not North Carolina, you have to create that kind of synergy. And a lot of that starts with the culture and the head coach. And Mike Young has delivered in that regard in spades. So Tech fans have every right to be optimistic. Tech fans have every right to dream. I'm not going to go to the point where I think this is one of the best teams in the country because I do think that this team is still eminently flawed given uh, especially so with Tyrese Radford out. Now that does not mean that I'm going, that I don't think they can make a run in the tournament because they absolutely can. And even with a bad draw, this team can win one or two games in the tournament. Yeah. And if they get a good draw, then we're talking about a, a, a possible sweet 16 team. And that's as far as I'll ever predict. I think Virginia tech to go, because that once you get to that point, you're running into, all sorts of things beyond your imagination, whether it be crazy draws or teams that are on super duper hot streaks or whatever. So tech definitely has a chance to get to the sweet 16 with this team. Um, I don't know if it's like greater than 50%, but it's certainly possible. Um, But Andrew, I, I, I think it was, I think it's a, it's, it's good to encourage people to, um, allow themselves to dream a little bit because this is a fun team to, to root for. They're a fun team to watch. They're easy to get behind because of the personalities on the team, the personality of the head coach. They are infinitely easier to root for than Buzz Williams than Buzz Williams was. And that's not to discount the players on Buzz Williams' teams right? because those guys were definitely easy to root for. Justin Robinson, Emmett Hill, Justin Bibbs, um, Carrie. Uh, Seth Allen, Zach Leday, all those guys were were so much fun to root for, but Buzz had this kind of different vibe about him that Mike Young doesn't have. And when you throw Mike Young into the mix, and then you put all of these guys who have their own flaws, like Wabi Sabidi and Naheem Aline and Hunter Couture and KB Luma and Justin Mutz, and they, they're almost like this ragtag band of, of um leftover toys that have been coached up and 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 given the ability to believe in themselves and now all of a sudden they're playing above what they what they should have been at least to the trained eye coming into the season so this is an extremely fun bunch to root for um and i'm i'm very curious to see how the rest of the season goes there's still some tough games out there and I'm sure that we're going to be talking about a couple, at least one, if not two, really frustrating losses before the season is up. But Tech fans can definitely dream about what can happen in March. And think about it too, right? Like, think about the players who are making the biggest impact right now. The players who made the biggest impact the last few games, right? You got Keve Aluma, transfer from Wofford. You have Hunter Couture, recruited to play at Wofford in the SOCON, Right. Yeah, I mean, Mike Young says himself about Hunter Couture, he said in the post game for UVA, he said, man, Hunter Couture would have been pretty good in the Southern Con- Conference because he's darn good in the ACC, right? He's becoming that kind of player where he's a real impact guy in the ACC as a sophomore. It's impressive, right? 
Justin Mutz, his defense has been unbelievable all year from Delaware, right? He transfers in from Delaware, has to get adjusted to the ACC game. Now his offense has started to come on a bit as well, right? So he's been really good. Um, you think about Wabisabidi. Everybody complains about his offensive output. Defensively, he's one of the best defenders in the ACC on ball as far as the guards, guard position is concerned. Jalen Cohn, too short, right? Has, has gone on a cold street lately. Hits two massive second-half threes against Virginia. Back to Abisabidi, he hits a huge three, tie the game against Virginia. Guy can't hit the broadside of a barn most times, hits a huge three-pointer, right? So, like, like you mentioned, Ricky, and I think it was a great point, like, these guys, when they play together, they're really easy to get behind because, like you mentioned, each individual has something in their game that can be easily critiqued, right? You're not, you're not dealing with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and these top-notch, top-flight players that you get at a blue blood. That's not what this team is. But they are they do have very good players who are good at very particular things. Keve Aluma has been pretty solid all year. But Hunter Couture is coming into his own as this kind of all-around really good player. Jalen Cohn, his specialty is is as a sharpshooter. Wabisabidi, his specialty is playing really good defense and distributing. So tech has tech has an opportunity to be really good moving forward. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they do um, with what they got the rest of the way. But they have a really good young team that's definitely ahead of schedule. And I think it's important to note that um, Mike Young is doing everything within his first two years that Justin Fuente needs to be trying to find in his fifth and sixth year. I certainly agree. I, I certainly agree. And to kind of tie a whole bow on what you're saying there, people in general love an underdog story. You want to see... David beat Goliath. You, 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 we like watching Loyola Chicago make a run to the final four. And this unit, as you guys just talked about at length, is a ragtag group of flawed players that were not necessarily recruited to the big programs. Mike Young is a coach who has had success, but his hire didn't bring on a lot of fanfare. And Virginia Tech, as a basketball program, inherently is an underdog in the ACC against the Virginias and Dukes and North Carolinas of the world. They're not expected to have success. And when those things all come together at once and they do so as a unit and they do so in with almost a humble swagger, if you will, it's really, really, really easy to root for. But on that note, gentlemen, let's get back to the football program because the ACC schedule for Virginia Tech released late last week the month of september going to bring on challenges and they will start in week one with north carolina coming to town on what should be a thursday or friday night mac brown and his boys with all the four-star recruits in year three of sam howell going to present an early challenge for virginia tech first things first gentlemen is this a bad thing that we have North Carolina so early in the season because it's going to be a lot of new faces getting in the mix for Virginia Tech and against a team in North Carolina that is no longer that inexperienced freshman group that we saw two years ago when they went six and six with a lot of close games one way or the other. This game is going to be either a Thursday or a Friday night game inside Lane Stadium. North Carolina is coming off of a pretty solid finish to their year. Uh, Virginia Tech, I have no clue how this team is going to be any better than they were in 2020. 
um, yeah, that's a really crappy way to open the schedule. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, in terms of atmosphere, if we have fans in the stands for that game, which I pray to God that we do, given the vaccine is, is should be readily available by that point. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, an epidemiologist by any sense, but I feel like we should be getting back to some sense of normalcy by September folks. It's September. Anyway, um, there's, <laughs> there's no reason to believe that that atmosphere would not be absolutely, um, just flipping awesome. Um, but on the field, that's a terrible way to start the season. Tech, I would much rather see tech open the year against middle Tennessee state or Richmond. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty brutal start. If we're just talking about the start for right now. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's a tough way to start the year. I'd much rather see Tech get like a warm up game first. But as far as just like looking at it from a little bit different view, from the point of view of just getting North Carolina like that game, I think with North Carolina losing their top four receivers, their two thousand yard running backs out of the backfield, and them having a bunch of new pieces on offense that they're going to have to get integrated, I think you'd rather see see North Carolina in September than like mid October uh, when we normally see them. But in regards to just the start of the year and having to kick off the season against an ACC team that's probably going to be ranked in the top 15 or 20 when the season starts. And it's, um, a, it's a super critical game because it's of Tech, a huge I mean, game. look, I, I am not considering Virginia Tech a probable contender to win the ACC Coastal. But if if that's the goal um, and if you lose week one against Carolina, I mean, that – that puts a damper on the rest of the conference season when you finally yeah. get there. It's huge. Uh, I mean, it's a giant, it's a gigantic game. It's the, it's one of the biggest games of the year for Virginia Tech. You get right yeah, off and the it's bat. right off the bat, and yeah, um, um, so it, it it becomes really important for Tech to have a full off season, uh, which I, I again I hope we can have a semi normal spring practice schedule, even if there's no spring game. And I hope that they can have a semi-normal uh, preseason camp so we can get the, get this started the right way. Um, right. But now the game that, that gets me curious is the Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. Um, Middle Tennessee state should be a win. Jesus. <laughs> um, road, so. trip to, road trip to Morgantown. I have not read into West Virginia yet for this year, but that seems like, it's winnable. Yeah, um, it, it, it seems like it's West Virginia's not um, quite the Will Greer Mountaineers that we saw a couple of years ago. Richmond, what, what are we talking about here? By October 9th, Virginia Tech will have played a majority of their home schedule already, which is another thing I want to get into. Yeah. Um, and then they, then they get Notre Dame at home. Um, how they look... By that point, we, we will have seen Tech against three pretty solid opponents in Carolina, West Virginia, Notre Dame. How they look in those three games, I think, will basically determine the rest of the season. I agree. If if they look shaky in those first three games, then I think we know what we've got here, which is basically a repeat of 2020. Um, if they look pretty impressive in those three games, then there's no reason to believe that they can't look impressive against Pitt, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech, and even Boston College, and Duke, for that matter. 
yeah, Duke's going to be bad. The Boston College game is an intriguing one for me. Yes. Um, and what yeah. we can get into that that final stretch with the road games um, yeah. and talk about so, it in a little bit more detail. But just like on the surface is like kind of tricky games. BC on a short week. Uh, that's a Friday night game. Um, BC on a short week after you went on the road to Georgia Tech. That's not going to be a particularly easy game for Virginia Tech, considering what BC is bringing back. And Filter Kovic was really good. I think Tech much like I was talking about with North Carolina, I think Tech got Boston College at a good time last year, getting them in September, right? Now, I think if Tech plays Boston College in like mid to late October, that game might look a little bit different. So I'm hoping that, you know, the game against North Carolina is, I mean, we don't know what what North Carolina is going to be on offense with all the pieces they're losing early in the year. We know they have Sam Howell, obviously, and that's a game changer. But as, as far as like how quickly the other pieces get integrated, but on the flip side, we don't know, like, we don't know what Virginia Tech's going to look like either. Like they got a lot of talent returning, but they're trying to get Burmeister into the fold. And defensively, you're trying to kind of build off of like your late season momentum when you played a little bit better as a team. But there's there's plenty of question marks with Tech as well. But just looking at it on a game by game standpoint, that BC game in early November, um, the first game in November, uh, November 5th on that Friday night is is one that definitely gave me pause when I saw the schedule. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and talk about this then, because. This was the first thing that stood out to me when the schedule got dropped. Tech gets four of their final five on the road, um, which in any season would suck, right? right. Like, like that's that's brutal. I mean, to, to, to have to finish the season four or five on the road would suck. What sucks even more is that this is the odd year in Tech's schedule. So every odd year – Tech has to travel to Atlanta, which is not that far of a trip, but when you consider the rest of the ACC, it's relatively far. But they also have to travel to Boston College and to Miami. So Tech is taking their three longest trips on this in the conference in the span of four weeks. Yeah. So they, they have to go to Atlanta, to Boston, then they get a home game against Duke and then to Miami. So those are three long road trips all within the span of a month and all of which are are consolidated at the back end of the schedule. Yeah. So this 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 road stretch is going to suck. Like there there's there's no two ways about it. it it's going to be bad. Andrew, I'm curious to hear what you think, but Pittsburgh and Syracuse getting them both at Lane Stadium, like that's good because Tech historically does not play well at the Carrier Dome and does not play well at Heinz Field. So on the flip side, four out of the last five on the road, not very good, but at least Pitt and Syracuse are them. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Mike. No one wants to make that trip up to the Carrier Dome. It, it, again, Carrier Dome where dreams go to die. My thought when I first saw this schedule, though, is kind of on the macro level, uh, on a program level, and on a fan base level. If we go through the month of September with that loss to North Carolina and that loss to West Virginia, if you drop both of those games, you know, you can do whatever you want against Richmond and Middle Tennessee State. Hopefully it's not at the level of 2019 where you're struggling there. But if those two games are losses, by the end of the month, you could have a fan base that's completely out on this coach. And, yep, yep, and, and yep, absolutely. A staff that is going to have an impossible time recruiting for 2020 yep. you know Good 2022 points. class so i think we're going to learn how things go one way or the other 
or the other very quickly. And as we've seen the last two seasons in 2020 with a hot start and a flame out at the end, and in 2019 with a very slow start and getting hot at the end, it doesn't tell the whole story. But from an optics perspective, it basically does, at least for a time. And it would take a monumental swing in the second half of the season in order to gain any of that momentum back. So, again, we're going to learn a lot about the future of this program very early on. And and this season could be GG's by October 9th. Yeah, but no, it it very well could. If on the the season could be just flat out over by early October, like that's. That's a depressing sight, right? I mean, yeah, it it's a scary thought, but to one of your points from earlier, it's going to require an outsized effort to get these transfers who are coming in plugged into the program very quickly to get ba- Braxton Burmeister playing to the best of his abilities within the system early on and you know, some of these younger guys who are going to have to step up and, and play in these starting roles are, you know, they're going to have to learn on the fly. So I think that ultimately the schedule, given what we think this team looks like on paper, a backloaded schedule might be more favorable than a front-loaded schedule. But if things don't get off to a poor start, and I don't want to spell all gloom and doom, but things get off to a poor start, the program seems like a deflating balloon. And suddenly you have to make those massive road trips in the back end of the season. That could, uh, it could be sort of a disaster on on that end, just from a morale perspective. Because remember, these are still just kids. And it's, uh, it does not set up incredibly favorably in my opinion, if we're being honest. I will, I will say like if tech, if tech goes through the early part of September with like a three and one or a four and O start before the bye week, the Notre Dame, right? So say tech gets off to a hot start again this year, right? With, you know, you, you get a couple of non-conference opponents thrown in there, which you didn't have the benefit of this past season. But, you know, say you're able to get by West Virginia, which I think is a much is a much more winnable game than I think folks are probably giving it credit for just because they're in the middle of a rebuild. Um, that's a winnable game. Again, it's on the road in Morgantown. Not going to be easy, especially if fans are in the stands. But let's say Tech gets off to a 3-1 and one and 4-0 and oh start. I think the rest of the schedule looks a bit more favorable, right? But I think if Tech goes, like you mentioned, say they go one and three, two and two, whatever whatever it may be, um, in the opening stretch of the year before uh, Notre Dame visits Plattsburgh, I think the end of the schedule, right? All of a sudden, going on the road to Georgia Tech at BC, at Miami. Duke's going to be really bad. Tech cannot lose that game. But at All Miami. Right, hold on, though. Remember the that, last time Duke came to Blacksburg? They were bad then, too. Exactly. <laughs> they okay, were bad so then too. I just want to make sure we didn't forget about that. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have glossed over that. Um, but the, <laughs> my, my point, my, my point is those games, if you get off to a poor start, I think those games become a lot more losable. And Andrew, I think you were kind of alluding to that with, Hey, these are like, you know, 19 and 20 year old kids that can certainly have the morale down after a rough month of September with everybody questioning whether or not their coach is going to last the rest of the season. I mean, quite I, frankly, I think if that gets off to a good start, they might be in a little bit better shape. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, in terms of the wheels falling off after a poor start, we saw that in 2018. Right. Like, like when all the momentum is pushing against you downhill, it, it, it's hard to keep it up, and that's how you end up with Pittsburgh rushing for like 400 yards on you. It's it's just the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be. I mean, it'll be interesting. I as far as far as like individual games, I'm excited about. I mean, getting top. 10 to 15 Notre Dame and Blacksburg is a big game. That's going to be fun for the fans Um, on the road to Morgantown is a pretty easy road trip for a lot of Virginia tech fans in the 
DC metro area and even I'm quite those. sure that a lot of tech fans are going to want to go to that game well yeah well um southwest virginia i mean you can you can make a trip up to morgantown it's not too bad yeah um, but for, for all those tech fans who are young um and aren't familiar with the the history surrounding tech's trips to morgantown they often included batteries and bags of urine yes so uh that there's a certain welcoming party in morgantown that tech fans may not want to greet yeah i'm hoping to be able to go to that um yeah, I would like to go because I think it'd be a, a great atmosphere. Yeah, um, but ugh, I don't know, man. Know what you're getting into is what yes. We'll, we'll, we'll warn the people again when it gets closer. But uh, yes, yes, we will. <laughs> we will right. have a full PSA to yeah. wear extra yeah. padded clothing for that game. That is correct. North Carolina in the opener, like aside from it just being a being a tough game, being able to see Sam Howell in person. I mean, I saw him two years ago as a freshman. It'd be great to see him. Uh, this year as a junior and he's in all likelihood going to be in the Heisman race for a majority of the year um, assuming that his playmakers emerge and you know I wouldn't mind just going to, going to watch tech play like some division three team at this point I'm itching to go to a sporting event yeah I, I'll go to anything I mean <laughs> sign me up tech could be playing like Randolph Macon College up the road <laughs> d3 school I'd be <laughs> I'd be there like Mike but with Sam Howell is it safe to say that with the exception of facing Trevor Lawrence this year, based on the expectations going in for Hal, this should be the best quarterback that Tech has faced in, you know, a, a long, long time. Yeah, I, I actually think that Sam Howell this year was a tougher matchup, will be a tougher matchup for Virginia Tech than in the opener in 2021, just because of the playmakers around him all being so new. Um, I, again, Tech got North Carolina early in the season this year, but Javante Williams and Michael Carter – and Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, all those guys, like they were known commodities. Like North Carolina knew what they had. They all had veteran game experience. A lot of the playmakers around Sam Howell this year, as I've mentioned, they'll, they'll be new. So I, I don't think that offense is quite as potent on September 2nd as it would be on like October or November 2nd. So I think, I think the best version of Sam Howell, Tech probably just saw in, t in 2020 in a really tough game on the road um, in, in which Tech surrendered, you know, whatever it was. 600 yards um i'm not sure that we'll i'm, I'm not sure that we'll see that again just because it's the opener and again it's a lot of unknowns but sam howell's probably the best quarterback on the schedule i mean you can make the argument for phil Dracovic. notre dame's replacing a quarterback ian book won't be there it'll probably be jack Cohn, the transfer from wisconsin i don't count kenny pickett in the same regard i mean he's a veteran but he's not a stud so nice tech up this year yes um so andrew you could have diced up tech's defense this year at least on that day <laughs> yeah really <laughs> yes um oh dr king I, I guess i shouldn't gloss over him i mean he's a really good quarterback that'll be a, a tough game for tech uh but <laughs> the list is starting I, to get pretty long mike yeah I, well and it gets I, longer I, when you take into account like tech's defense <laughs> yes <laughs> if if there isn't market improvement coming into this year, which I mean, there should be at least some, but if there isn't any market improvement, then God, man, uh, I, yeah. I look in case you couldn't tell, I have almost no optimism for this next football season. <laughs> I'm going to be writing that probably in, over the summer, but this football season looks like crap to start. Like th this is not going to be a fun football year for me. Well, I, 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 I sincerely hope that I'm wrong, by the way. 
but I I just do not feel it whatsoever. It screams seven and five to me. I not even, bro. I did. This screams like legit five and seven, six and six. Well, I think we'll be able to learn somewhat early on with those. We early will. Tests. Yes, you're we right, and, and that's what I meant by this season. Maybe GGs in October 9th. like, like, oh. God. That was the thing with this season. There was no true measuring stick until about October, right? Yeah, because like you didn't know, like that, like even when Tech would play teams, you didn't know who was who was going to be available and who wasn't going to be available. And even if someone was out, you didn't know because it was COVID or injuries or what have you, and yada yada yada. And everything was all jacked this year, so everything was just kind of like shoot, like you know, playing darts with you with a blindfold on. But, um. This season, I feel like I, I think Tech is going to have a relatively normal, with air quotes, relatively normal uh, spring practice session. I would be pretty surprised if there's a spring game, which kind of sucks. Um, I think Tech is going to have a almost normal, maybe even entirely normal preseason camp by the summer, one would hope. Uh which means they're going to have way more than they had last year in terms of work with these kids to get them prepared, um, which is obviously a good thing for Virginia Tech because they need to develop that sort of familiarity. But we have to remember that every other program in the country is going to have whatever Tech gets as well. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. You guys got anything else you want to touch on or are we good to go? Um, go watch Anton Exum's uh, music video. We were talking about this earlier. Anton Exum is making music now. Um, you can go get the link to Spotify on my Twitter. Um, go make, uh, go look to tally site if you need help making bets, because a lot of you are probably following the gambling degenerate ways of Michael McDaniel. It's me. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything. Um, get David Teal verified on Twitter. I noticed that he wasn't verified yet on Twitter today. I, I don't know what's going on there. Mike, anything from you? Uh, no, try to – we probably should have mentioned this in more detail on this podcast. Women's basketball probably had their biggest win in 45 years beating NC State. Yes, yes. Um, it, it, it has not been a great year for them, um, but that was a, a gigantic win for them and for Kenny Brooks and um, definitely some talent on that roster. And hopefully with a normal year next year, they'll be able to kind of start over. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a, a fun win for them. I mean, how, how what are the odds that Tech get like Tech basketball gets two giant wins in in the same week, um, one over in-state rival and the other over a top top two team? Let's not discount wrestling. Shout out Jersey Hokie, the wrestling team coming up with a couple of big victories as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually that just it just made me realize something that Mike and I were talking about before we started recording, which I will save for a later date. Um, but a lot of good hires by Whit Babcock on the non-revenue sports side. Um, but if, if we just take into account, like even if you want to take into account all of the hires that he's made, I still feel like Mike Young has, has cemented himself so far as the best hire of Whit Babcock's tenure. Yep. I think so too. All right. Last thing I have for Mike McDaniel, I have my fan duel up right now. Should I take Duke with the points? Is that what you want me to do here? Is that Duke with you, the points. Is that what you're advocating? All right. Well, by the time people listen to this, they will know whether Mike was right or wrong about that. Or if Mike was mid. 
or Mike was mid. <laughs> Mike is always mid, In right? This scenario, always mid is the very rare potential of, I guess, it washing and Duke wins by 11. So we'll find out. But yeah, that's going to do it for us. Hoagie Hangover Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. Shout out to Dr. Counts, the man, the myth, the legend. We'll be back very soon with a very special surprise for you guys. And you're not going to want to miss that. So if you're not subscribed right now, please do it. You're going to want to listen to our next episode. But until then, have fun, be safe, no hokies.